you're listening to Matt King and Vince Tracy on Vince Tracy Podcasts. Well, the year is absolutely flying by. Today's date, the 1st of November, 2023. Our definition on the mountain, beautifully clear. The garden looks good. Uh, Wind is now beginning to get up and we've had um, a weather warning, but uh, I think it's more of an alert just in case you're climbing on roofs, that sort of thing. And uh, we'll go due west around about 45 minutes and... Let's find out how Matt is and how the weather is down where Matt lives. So, Matt, a very good day to you. Uh, you've got our weather. Is it similar to you? We've we've got... Good morning, Vince. We have got the most amazing day out there. Uh, I know it's forecast that it might get worse later with storms predicted, but apparently uh, Altea and Benidorm are quite likely to miss it. Um, whether, I mean, you know what the weather's like anywhere in the world you can't predict on earth what's going to happen but i must admit watching the news and seeing how everybody's suffering in ireland and uh, in england with the flooding again i just can't understand why they can't pull their fingers out and get something done about it you know because you know the the uh, national rivers authority actually get a lot of money especially from anglers because i, I mean my I, I buy one every year because i've always had one but it's thirty pounds for a, a license to fish the rivers, and that over the sort of there's four million anglers is one of the biggest sports in the country. Four and a half million anglers at thirty is about you know I don't know something like twelve million, one hundred twenty million a year. Surely that's got to be something. Some you know it's not just a question of opening sluice gates and letting water out. It's got to be do something. But that's been year on year after year. It's it's always been around that figure. Yeah, and I really don't understand why they can't do something about it. Well, but does it, there you go. Does it ever cross your mind when you've got plagues of things and floods and things like this and wars? Does it ever cross your mind that you know if if nobody bothers to read what's written in the Bible, then obviously they've missed something that is pretty obvious, isn't it? There's something connects the current climate and all the things that are happening and what was written. And, you know, I was walking past uh, these Jehovah's Witness guys the other day. You know, they were hanging around. Nobody was uh, going to talk to them. And I thought, as a pastor, they've got good hearts, these guys. I mean, y you know, with they've been the butt of jokes over the years. But I think, quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to have the last laugh. Anyway, um, let me just uh, point us in the direction of where we're going today. The other night, uh, as I was driving home, um, we nearly um, crashed into an e-scooter who had no visibility whatsoever on the road, um, merrily co going along on his e-scooter and uh, obviously totally and utterly oblivious to the fact that nobody could see him. And quite frankly, uh, we talked about this, which is why I thought sharing the roads is a really good concept, which at the moment, I don't think um, I don't think many people are impressed by what we see with the e-scooter. And so that's where I'm going to start. E-scooters. Do you have any thoughts on the uh, this breed that's cropped up over the past few years? Yeah, I, I, I sort of feel the same way as you, really, because um, you don't need any form of license or any form of training to use one. And you see these kids riding down the middle of the road as if they've not got a, a care in the world with headphones on so they can't hear anything anyway. Um, I mean, I think it's I think it's bad when people, you know, you've got the boom cars where they go around and the music is blaring out. They obviously can't hear. They wouldn't be able to hear any horn or any beeping or anybody giving you a warning uh, with anything. And you can see them banging their heads sometime. And I just wonder how on earth are you going to control a car? So, you know, but the scooters, the scooters are a license to kill, whether it's themselves 
or it's uh, other people. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, I have fallen foul of the e-scooter and the bike uh, down where we live. We have a bike lane, which uh, quite honestly... I'm told the the law of the pedestrian walking sensibly on the road is that you face the oncoming traffic. Now, I think it's the same here in Spain. I'm almost certain I've checked it. And uh, if you've got a cycle lane, which people are coming at you, coming down the way that, um, I don't know, are they supposed to? I suppose they are, if they're coming the same way that the the road traffic comes. Uh, But where are you as a pedestrian supposed to stand uh, or walk should I say because if you go to the right of the lane then you're likely to be hit by a car and if you go to the left you're likely to be hit by the scooter or the cycle who uh, they love to leave it to the last minute so you don't really know for sure that they are going to move and especially if there are two bikes and I've even come across three bikes, but we'll be talking about bikes later. Um, but with these e-scooters, they do go at quite a speed. They've got a helmet on, but you don't walk along with a helmet on. And so if they do happen to hit you, then you're always going to come off second best. And yeah. having, having had several friends, um, two, I think I, I should say, rather than several, who have uh, been hit by cyclists and killed... Um, then we do know that there is a danger. And, of course, it's all very well for the road planners because whilst everybody was confined or locked down, um, these road planners decided they were going to put these blooming traffic lines, lanes everywhere um, in their quest to get us all on board with a climate change uh, panic, which probably shouldn't be existing. You know, climate uh, is another topic, so I'm going to stick... Uh, with the um, electric scooters and pick you up on something which I totally agree with, which is the fact that if you're going to be out on an electric scooter at speed, why on earth do you not have a registration and why is it not compulsory to be um, uh, insured? I I really can't understand that one. So, again, our uh, political masters have not thought it through, or maybe they have. Maybe that's what the, this is really all about. Maybe there's a lot more to it. And if you remember, I sent you a um, a clip of John Lennon uh, talking about yeah. his song Imagine. Uh, and when you go back to the year that that was released and look at the fact that he could see that things were already looking very grim and devious and underhand, um Yes, it is strange, isn't it, that these electric scooters have been allowed to proliferate and yet um, they're not even regulated by anybody. I don't understand it. You know, if if you hit somebody in your car, if you don't have your insurance, we can quickly claim from you, but not with these guys. No, it's true. I mean, what you're saying is completely true. And, of course, it's it's, the trouble is it's... It's youngsters, and and as far as you go, were saying about having helmets on. Most of them I see under twenty do not wear a helmet. They've got a blooming baseball cap on backwards, sunglasses on, and they're they're, they're in the middle of the road. Now that in Benidorm, I don't know if you've been there recently, but in Benidorm they've got these bicycle lanes in the middle of the road. Yeah, in the middle, not on the sides. Yeah. in the middle. Up one way and back the other way. And you. so if you're crossing the road, not only do you have to negotiate traffic, you have to negotiate the, these rides in the middle of the road. And I was crossing the road from the hospital the other day uh, in, in Benidorm. And as on the road, a scooter just sailed past me right in front of me, trying to beat me across. But I had the right of way and he, he was supposed to stop. He didn't. They just went. I and mean, it was only a boy, a young boy. But the girls do it. It's, everybody does it. It's, and I think it's because there is no legislation with it. I mean, they're talking about bringing in a test. They're talking about doing all sorts of things. They tried to ban them. But I don't know if you've seen at the moment. I read somewhere this week that they're actually dropping that. They're not going to ban them. Um, and the same with, uh, I know it's not quite the same in terms of speed, but these wheelchairs 
that uh, people seem to have a penchant for hiring in Benidorm when they come on holiday yeah. um, to get them round. They don't need them, but they they can hire them, so they think it's a crack to, to use them. So I'm a bit lost with that one. It's not my sort of holiday experience. No. And, you know, as my, as my illnesses progress with, with my uh, movement, I, I'm very likely to have to have a chair at some point because my legs uh, because of my nerve damage my legs are giving up and so it sort of it makes me realize things even more about who should have them and who shouldn't yeah yes i i think you see it's all really part of a, a selfish uh, society that we live in whereby you've got uh, a lot of people who basically couldn't give a fig about anybody else whatsoever. And, you know, when you see these young guys uh, going by on their scooters, um, you know, they, they don't really have any consideration at all as they pass you. Um, and as you've identified, the people... Uh, generally terribly overweight on these electric mobility scooters. Um, you can hear them cackling in the distance. You know, they, they're having a ball. Uh, very often you've got two um, sitting on, on the same scooter. Um, some are built for two. Many are not built for two. Um, and then, of course, uh, one will jump off and there's totally nothing wrong with them, as you say. Um, I'm going to broaden this now to the cyclists because here um, in this part of Spain, we get lots of cyclists. We have the likes of the Brownlee brothers train for their triathlon um, event not too far away from us. And they have a house in Pollop um, and it's it's nice to be able to catch a glimpse of them. But we also have the Peloton, uh, which is the club of the cyclists or sometimes just an agglomeration of people who go out together. And, you know, when you've got, say, 20 people, um, OK, two abreast very often, uh, sometimes three abreast, um, sometimes totally blocking the road and sometimes totally oblivious to the fact that they are holding everybody else up, Although, to be fair to them, that is the exception rather than the rule. I think most of them are normally quite sensible, you know, um, give or take the fact that they uh, feel quite comfortable in their lycra. <laughs> I think, um, you, you know, if, if you actually look at the way they do behave, most of them are responsible. Some of them are totally irresponsible, especially if you're up in the mountains and whereby um, the bicycle can go from one side of the road right across to come onto the oncoming traffic. Uh, they seem to think that this is part and parcel of what they train for, uh, whereas really they're breaking the, 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 um, the rules of the road and can cause quite a nasty accident. And we, we know from time to time they do come adrift and they go off and go right down the mountain. So, you know... Um, not the most sensible of, of things to do. So any tales to tell me of encounters with bicycles? Well, I don't know if you know, but probably you, you don't come this way very much and you might not have even noticed it. But do you know the Cap Negret yeah. uh, Hotel? Yes. On the seafront. It's all Just bikes outside now. of Alta. It's all bikes, all, isn't it? All cyclists. Yeah. And they do it because they do the Bernier run they go up the mountains into Cayosa and then up into uh, either Guadalest or they go right to, to uh, I forgot the name of the place now but it doesn't really matter but they go up into the mountains cycling all day they go all up at nine o'clock or eight o'clock to get up there in the summer they go at eight and you say that there's 20 or 30 I've counted 50 in one group wow 50 now, that takes some overtaking when you're going up a mountain because, they're, of course, they're mostly good cyclists anyway, so they stick together. Yeah. But they'll bunch two or three abreast, and you're supposed to give them a metre each uh, leeway when you go past them. So on that basis, let's say they're riding at three and a half metres with three of them. You've got to go another metre, which is four metres. Well, the lanes are only five metres, so you're it, having to go... But you can imagine 50 riders, you've got to go for quite a distance overtaking them. Yeah. And it, 
and it's really dangerous. They don't seem to keep the, the, these racing cyclists don't seem to keep at all to the rules, which says quite distinctly no more than two abreast. Yeah, um, and that's on certain roads. Um, I'm appalled. I'm a. I, I mean, to me, Capnagret was quite a nice place. I, I played there a couple of times, and I quite enjoyed it. But unfortunately, it, when it, now it's seen this market, which is a big market, mm. because they're full from all the times that the um, the cyclists come on, they're full. A lot, so, a lot like um, Albia Gardens is another place doing the same, isn't it? Correct. Correct. Mm. I, I, I must admit, you see, I, I, uh, for example, as we're talking, uh, it flashed across my memory that um, if the peloton is going across a traffic light. Um, then you know you don't just get two or three, and then they'll stop. You, you've, the whole peloton has the right of way. It, it does make sense because if one stops and everybody else piles into the back of each other, then you'd have a nasty pileup. But it doesn't really help you if you don't understand that the peloton is actually a lot longer than you think it might not be or might be. You know, depending yeah. on the way you're you, get, you you're think. guessing, aren't you? You're guessing. You don't really, especially if it's on a bend. You don't know how how many are going to come round the corner, so you can't anticipate anything. And you might get, you know, they, these guys travel at uphill at sixty kilometers an hour, mm. uphill. Yeah. So it's very difficult to try and, you know, pass them or get through them or 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 do anything because quite often, it, the the limit speed limit will be fifty. So they're already doing over the speed limit anyway. Well, we have a road which goes from uh, Elverge through to Els Poblets and then across to Denia. <clears throat> and, you know, I could uh, narrate the speeds and uh, it changes sort of every, I don't know, half mile, half kilometre, something like that. Uh, but it goes, uh, I, I was narrating it to Anna, she was driving yesterday. So I went, uh, here we go, 60. Uh, we're now coming to a bend so we can do 80. So, the, you know, so the, the signs changed and we're coming down to 40. So within 20 yards, they change the signal. And, you know, then they've got one hidden behind some bushes. And I mean, the whole thing is almost as if somebody has been um, maybe a little bit drunk and thought, hey, look, I've got a collection of speed um, signs here, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to just place them on the end of poles, irrespective of what the road condition might be like. It's almost like that. And, of course, you then build into this. We've been castigating the electric scooter and the um, push the uh, electric motor scooter and, and the uh, electric electric disability uh, chair and the bicycle but then we're not even really got in anywhere near the drivers of cars who basically um you know range from going too slow which is is itself a danger to going like um uh, I was going to say Juan Fangio, but that's going back a little bit too far. Not many people will remember <laughs> that name, but certainly Lew Lewis Hamilton. I mean, you know, when you're doing uh, 100 on uh, a back road and you've got people who basically are coming out of uh, little side alleyways, the speeds are changing and uh, lots of different things um, are, are to, to make you concentrate, you know, if you don't concentrate. And then you've got an idiot who wants to see how fast his car can go. Or, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of the ladies are doing it now. I mean, no, I don't. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any difference. I, I I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna get, uh, or we're gonna get berated for this. But my opinion is that although women are very comp confident drivers, excuse me, I don't think they drive um, as well as men do. That sounds really sexist, but I mean, I, I don't think you. I can really make that generally. I'm think as I'm talking at saying it. I'm thinking, oh God. Goodness me, I think I'm going to be in trouble here. But I I, I just think that, and, and I know that's not meant to be sexist at all. I, I do, I, I am one of these men that think that women are for the fairer things in life and not for, you know, too much. Driving's one thing. I have to say, I'm forever going and watching a mistake on the road, as I'm sure we all do. 
and I'll say to my my wife, oh, that's a bloody woman, and she will go, how dare you? And then it turns out to be a woman. Yes. Um, and that happens, I would say, 99 times out of 100. And I, it's a dreadful thing to say, but I don't know why. I think also that women sometimes, if, especially if they've got kids, they've got a dozen things on their minds. Yeah. You know, picking the kids up, going to get the shopping. You know, I, I, I revere women as, as, a, as a housemaker and as a person who looks after uh, her husband or and but of course the husband looks after her in a different way mm. it's not the same way it's a different way yeah um but i admire i admire women uh, a lot i think they have a lot of uh, stress in their life but i also i i do worry <laughs> i worry a bit when i see a woman driver especially if she's uh in the middle of the road or she's going around a roundabout in the wrong gear and she's taking off the other side uh, you know uh, i'm not saying men don't do it because they do. Um, there are good drivers and there are bad drivers. But the other one that gets me is the old man in the car. <laughs> right? Now, I I can see myself probably in a few years. I, I'm just over 67 now. And I can see myself in a few years possibly not concentrating as much as I should. Um Things things go awry, don't they, Vince? We know that they don't. Things don't happen the same way as they used to do uh, in many many departments. But we won't go there. Um, uh, but uh, I think I will probably. I've, I've been thinking about whether I'll do my test at seventy again because that's what we have to do over here. I'm not sure about England if that's the case over there. Yeah. But you have to do a retest here at seventy, and you have to do a sight test, and you have to do a the control thing that goes off and, and you've got to keep it in the center, which is, I think is a good, you know, uh, it's a good, it's a good test, especially for driving coordination. Um, but I'm not sure that I particularly, when I look around me and I see who's driving now on the roads and I watch some of the terrible things that happen, I, I don't know that I really want to drive again. Very difficult. Uh, I, I think the problem really is um, we can generalise. You and I probably will understand what we're talking about. Um, having said that, there's a lot of good uh, lady drivers. Um, you know, I, I went recently to the Picos de Europa and a lady uh, drove us right to the top peak. And believe me, it was her. I would not really have enjoyed driving it myself. Um, and this lady, you know, I mean, short of having a cigarette in her mouth, um, she, driving one-handed, <laughs> leaning on the back of the... I mean, you know, I'm exaggerating, obviously. But she was terrific. I mean, she got to say, she really did know what she was doing. And then later in the week, when I was reading in the local papers about a car coming over the side of the mountain, I could understand who it might have been. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's good and bad. I think um, for the sake of, uh, you know, not getting too many people agitated about whether or not we're, we're generalising. Let's go to um, parking because, you know, I always try and park where I know it's sensible. I always try and make sure I don't inconvenience people. I always try and put my car so that I think uh, another car is not going to come along and uh, fling the door open and stick another dent in the car door because we tried to keep the car Another open. dent? Yeah. What are you saying, Vince? What are you saying? Well, I, I, what I'm saying is that I think that here in Spain, um, but probably it's everywhere now, um, you know, People don't bother about looking after the next person to them when they when they park the car. They don't think about it. I mean, we've seen pictures on the Internet of people who are driving into um, the disability bay, uh, blocking it so that other people who are disabled can't use it. Um, and also uh, pictures of people who completely and utterly ignore the fact that people turn up in, in uh, vehicles where you've got to allow them more space to get out of their disability vehicle. You know, it, it's just, it's um, lack of consideration for others, I think, embraces a lot of this. You know, if, if I'm going to go to A and I want to park the car um, and it's congested around that particular place, I find the nearest uh, place, maybe half a mile, maybe maximum, uh, and I'll park my car and walk. 
I, I always equate it to getting a bit of exercise. So I don't have a problem with that. But there are so many people, um, like, for example, the double parking that they do here in Valencia. Now, no, no, it's not just Valencia. It's Alicante. It's it's everywhere. They In Altea, in the smallest of roads, they will stop their car, put the hazard warning lights on it and get out. But while you're talking about, um, just to interrupt you slightly, but on the same subject, I once, I have in my memory somewhere that I stood and watched a man in an old Mercedes, an old man, it was a man, in an, in an old Mercedes, put his car into the space of a Mini. And he did that by shunting the car in front forward and, and reversing into the car behind and shunting that back. Now, I, I was incredulous when I saw it. I could not believe what I was watching. But he then just got out of his car, locked it and walked away. I think he must have been in about in his 65 that sort of age that's what he looked like anyway yeah um it was incredible but he, he was a spaniard and that's what he thought was good parking or he probably his last license was for a donkey and car now um, i've got to quickly you know, i've got to quickly ask how did you know he was a spaniard because i i i said to him que pasa oh, right. and then he delivered this valentian garble at me that i was really he was obviously not very pleased i was watching um but he, he was spanish well look the theme of the podcast is sharing the roads and our family have got a little saying we try to use with the children caring is sharing, sharing and, yeah. you know the thing is i think people do forget that we are sharing a common highway, a common pavement. And very often, you know, it, it, once you realise that that's a, a quite a, a generous concept, but it's a good concept. And if you think about sharing the road rather than dominating the road, I think, you know, everybody would get a lot more out of the experience of using the road. I mean, very often, um, you know, I'll, I'll be driving along and... Something crosses my. Uh, I've got. Uh, I've, I've got a call coming in. I'm just going to knock that off. I'm sorry about that. Um, right. Just basically, um, you, you know. Unfortunately, I think we do have too many people who they don't have any concept in their life about sharing. You know, uh, it would be a quick and easy reference to say if you live on your own, you probably don't know how to share as much. But my experience of people who live like that um is that there are some like every every other sample that are great at sharing uh, and want to share and others who basically don't have a concept so yes for me i think it's this business of if you know how to share you should be thinking always about somebody else down the road um i i like to think i i'm a good sharer and i'm a good carer i do think um you know once i'm in the car uh i try not to get on somebody's tailgate because that's a form of bullying for me um do you regard that as bullying yeah definitely i i i think there's a lot of bullying on the road now and i i'm sorry to harp back into old times but when i first started driving everybody was some i think i got my test on the, the day after i was 18 I had it pre-booked. I've been, I've been sort of driving on the roads, practicing a bit, um, and I passed my test the day after I I got it. Now, of course, they have to do all written tests as well as the, uh, as well as the actual physical test, whereas we didn't. Um, yeah, I I uh, I I'm a gr I just I just think that if you've if you uh, if you go, I've actually lost the the thread that I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I'm thinking ahead of myself now. What were we saying? Well, we're looking at, at basically a concept of sharing the road and whether or not you know if people think about other people on the road, whether or not that's where you'll start getting an improvement. But I don't think people are even um, inspired or encouraged to think about that. I mean, we're shown in the soap operas. And in the films, we're shown clips of certain things that maybe might irritate or, uh, you know, might encourage people to get 
cross with each other. But for example, you know, if you've got somebody that's polite to you on the road and lets you in or let you turn when maybe their uh, uh, their line of traffic could maybe make it difficult. You know, uh, I often get cross with somebody if I have stopped and allowed somebody to pass and they don't bother to thank you. I mean, that's the, the common courtesy is not just in driving. I think it's with everything. Um, you, you know, for example, I'll, let me tell you what happened the other day. <clears throat> we got to a um, one of these petrol stations where, you know, it's cheaper petrol. There was a car, big car, that came in the wrong way. And uh, there was a little car with two men in it who were trying to move up in the correct way to get to the correct space that would not inconvenience everybody. But this guy was in a big Mercedes, looked like some sort of a flash businessman. He had uh, taken all the space and was making sure that nobody was going to use that pump in the correct way. Now, now and again, you do have to change to get into the pump so that you're, um, you know, you're able to put the petrol in at the right side. I understand that, but it's the way you do it. Now, this guy had not only jumped into the space that these two guys in the car, they were older guys, by the way, and so you could see quite clearly, I could see what was coming. There was no way that he was going to back down. He was going to intimidate these two guys. And then when he'd finished, I had exactly the right um, idea what would happen. He would sit and he would intimidate them into reversing when theirs was the, the right of way. Uh, I mean, the, the, the place was delineated with all sorts of arrows showing you what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And, um, you know, when the uh, this guy eventually did go, um, I looked across to these two guys because they were, you know, uh, old, uh, older guys. And I said uh, he, he was just a bully. And, um, you know, the, the the guy looked at me and I said, well, I would have joined in. Um, but quite frankly, we would have all been fighting on the car park um, or, or, you know, outside the pump, because quite frankly, he was a bully and he, he didn't want to be inconvenienced by anybody. And he wasn't bothered about the fact that you're older than him, um, you know, and unfortunately that I think is a little bit in line with what you see I, as you know, I'm doing the news very most days of the week. I look now online, as you're reading the news, you've got people uh, in videos in, impinging on your reading space now. It's throwing videos at you from the newspaper and invariably, I've noticed, it's videos of violence on the roads. You know, just stop oil protests. People rushing at people to hit them and clout them over the head with some form of um, weaponry. And unfortunately, this, I'm afraid, is now part of the life that we lead. People are not sharing public spaces anymore. They're, they're deciding, as in Just Stop Oil, this is our right. We will now inconvenience everybody, sit down and make a protest about something which is being preconceived even just stop all you know they go to a website to get funding so they're paid to go and do it and the police are compliant with it so sharing the roads now expands into even you know public deceit political decision making uh, pr protestations inconvenience people who are generally trying to get to their work situation uh, and the uk They've lost the plot. From what I see on these videos, you know, I, uh, I'm distracted enough to actually see the utterly violent situation that that country is becoming. I just hope that other people can start seeing it and react to it. But I don't see it because, you know, uh, we could go everywhere with this. So I'm going to keep right on with the roads. What do you think about these Just Stop Oil protests? Oh, dear me. I, I, I find it hard to believe that any anybody, uh, any body of people can can bring a, a country to its halt um, or try to and the police stand back and uh, just let them do it, because that's what it looks like to me. It doesn't look like they do, they've got any form of control whatsoever, the police. <laughs> and it's all this softly, softly approach. Um, 
I, I, I'm, I'm reviled by it, really. I, I, it's gone too far. Everything has gone too far. In our, that it's been pushed. And as I was saying earlier, the, when I got my test, the rule, the rules of the road were fantastic. People let you go. People here on a roundabout, it's like, it's like you take your life into your hands when you get on it. You can go on the inside lane, the outside lane to go around three quarters of the roundabout. That's, that's the rule here. Mm. To learn that coming from somewhere in England where it's very distinct, you stay on the outside of the lane if you're just coming off at the first turn in, but you go inside if you're going to the third. Mm. Um, I, I find it really difficult to comprehend how they drive here. I think there was a guy yesterday in a BMW who overtook me, gassed to the f pedal to the floor overtook me and he must have been doing on the on the a312 um sorry the a316 is it yeah um he must have been doing sorry the n32 isn't it that's it um he must have been doing 150 on an on a 100 kilometers an hour road now, I always think to myself, where's the policeman when you really want to see him? Mm. But I have to say, um, I don't know if I told you, I cut my hand really badly. Did I tell you? No, you didn't. Uh, last uh, Thursday, I uh, I was, I don't know why I was cutting with my left hand, the cutter in my left hand, and I pulled it through. And I've, I've got about 30 stitches in my hand where I've gone deep into the muscle of the thumb. And then uh, it's about three inches long. So it's, I, I drove to hospital with a bandage around my hand, trying to stop the old tissue paper, yeah. but it was pouring, pouring out of that. Mm. And uh, I got to a roundabout um, and the police were stopping. The Quay Civil was stopping everybody. He saw my hand, he double took and he said, do you want me to help? Do you want any, any do you want some help there? And I thought that was so admirable. I mean, I was halfway there. So I thought, no, I'll just get there now. I was dripping all over the car anyway. Yeah. So uh, it, 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 I think here the police really care. It, yes, they do stop you. It, apparently this morning, so I'm told by somebody, that uh, the police are out everywhere in Benidorm and Alfas and Albia and Altea stopping everybody and breath breathalyzing them. Because, of course, last night was uh, the Day of the Dead. And uh, everybody was celebrating out in the streets. And Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you go? In England, I'm sure if that happened, they would, say, they would be saying, you're picking on me. Yeah, well, that's you're exactly right. I think, you see, again, it's, it's another aspect of sharing the roads, sharing the space. Uh, you know, if people think that it's okay to go out and get drunk and drive uh, and kill somebody, um, then that's not sort of what we've uh, really... When, when, when the breathalyzer came in, I know I changed my drinking habits and we always have a designated driver and we don't drink. And basically, if, you know, um, the very maximum might be a glass of wine with a meal, maximum. But you've got to be eating. Uh, otherwise, you see, you're going to be in the road and then obviously um, other people will have whatever their limitations in, in, and you you might be limited in the way you react but uh, I'm going to get back um, really just on track so we're sharing the space of the road and of course um, if we do that then we've got to talk about sharing the pavements and I don't know whether or not, you know, you feel it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but we've got people now walking around with their dogs. And, you know, they they have these leads where the, the dog can be probably about 20 feet away from them. Yeah, extendable, flexible leads, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, uh, you never know whether or not you're going to trip up, um, whether or not the wire is going to be retracted. Um, you know, and this is before we get to anywhere like dog dirt, where we still have people walking the dogs. They'll walk past your house. They'll allow the dog to defecate, and uh, then they still don't pick up. Uh, now, you know, that's all very well provided that they get away with it. Um, but you see, you know, you can find that some people will have been fined because, you know, they've been uh, spotted doing it. But I mean, it's this business of 
trying to get people to understand, you know, that if a child touches that space, you know, there's germs. Uh, if that, that germ goes into the child's eye, uh, they could be blinded for life. For, and for what? For, for, for the selfishness of somebody who can't be bothered, and it's not pleasant. I mean, I, I don't own a dog, but then, you know, um, if I'm out walking um, a, a family member's dog, I will pick up. And then, you know, once I've picked up, I go and put it in the bin. And, you know, these are the sorts of things where if you don't really look at the progress from the days of London when people would urinate and defecate in the street um, and probably it would have been the same everywhere else and they had to legislate for it, you know, what on earth has our life been about? If we've still got people who can't see that, you know, to have dog dirt everywhere, you know, it's unpleasant. It's aesthetically unpleasant, but more to the point, it's hygienically unpleasant. Well, it's dangerous. Dog species carry parasites that can affect humans' eyesight. Humans, there's a lot that they can. It's a possibility. It's not definite, but it's a possibility that a dog has a parasite. You know, the dog lives with the parasite quite quite a lot but uh, he, he you know the owners nowadays i mean again i hate to say it but especially spanish owners they let their dogs out in the street to roam and to do wherever and go wherever i don't know any other uh races of people that do that to be perfectly honest there probably are but i don't know any i only know spaniards and if i've ever said anything to them because you know i'm a bit of an animal person um They've got really up in arms about why. What are you telling me for? I know how to look after my dog. Um, there's there's a couple of dogs down the road from me that are left constantly locked up in a little space of garden, and every car that goes past, they 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 bark at and cause a disturbance. But you can't say anything to the man because he actually comes at you with a stick. Oh, blimey! <laughs> really, you know, and. Uh, I, I live, I mean, I'm sure you do too, in a pretty good area with nice people generally. Yes. But this blooming person is a is a, an old Spaniard who just is stuck in the, the days of Franco, I think. I, I, um, I, I mean, the thing for me that is totally alarming now is when you look at the news in the UK all the time, it's the number of dogs that have killed people. You know, they've got oh, these yeah. bully, I think they're called bully dogs. They've been banned now. They've actually been banned. This, yeah, but, week, but, this week, they put a bill through that they're banned. But but apparently the legislation is so badly written that it doesn't really define the breed. You, you know you, you know as well as I do, you, you see these things coming down the road. Um, I mean, I've seen two women going by the house here, and they've got dogs which they will never in a month of Sundays be able to control if they decide to go for something. And, you know, we've we, I, I, there must be about 40 dog um, deaths this year in the UK, which, of course, uh, it, it can only ever be irresponsible ownership. Uh, having said that, who the hell wants to walk on a public road sharing the highway with a dog that's likely to attack another dog, another cat, another person, another child, and eventually maim and kill them? I mean, for me, I think uh, I would say that that has got to be... A, a, it's a heinous crime in some respects. Um, you know, I think that it's this business of caring and sharing again. By all means, if you want to have that sort of a breed, you've got some flaw in your personality for me. I look at somebody with a dog like that and I'm thinking, sorry, that is not a pet. It's a weapon. You are trying yeah. to show me that you don't have enough confidence in your own ability to look after yourself. So you're out intimidating people. And more and more, I see uh, connections between tattoos, earrings, you know, the whole kitten caboodle. It seems to be it goes as a parcel, you know, um, but that's not definitive. I mean, there are always people uh, who are just looking ordinary, going around doing that sort of thing. I find that aspect of sharing the pavement quite difficult. Um, any thoughts on those big dogs yourself, Matt? Well, I, I don't think they should be 
they should be, I don't think they should be even around. I don't see having been a dog lover and a dog owner for many years and uh, I, I've never had a dog that's been uh, aggressive or nasty um, and that's because I think I don't treat them in any special way. But I watch the videos, I've seen videos of these hooligans making the dogs jump up certain heights and with a leg on the end of it or you know when i say a leg a stuffed mm -hmm. a stuffed leg uh and uh it, it's I, I i don't understand it because i suppose i'm not from that type of background i mean my your parents my parents gave us good strong upstanding uh upbringings and we 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 try and impart that to people um so i think really it, it, i just don't understand why they exist i don't see what well they they've only been bred for that use haven't they yeah. let's be honest yeah you know dobermans i've met the, the nicest of dobermans but i've also met some really vicious buggers um excuse me my language uh some vicious devils but uh i mean i i tell you they're, they're when they have a go at something and you see that set of teeth coming at you. They 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 can be, but so can a German Shepherd. You know the yeah. police. The police train these dogs. Some of them are very clever. I mean, we've we've got a a, a cocker spaniel who is who should have gone to to be, you know, something an airport sniffer dog or something like that yeah. because he's so clever. Yeah. You know, it's he's wasted as a pet in a sense. Um, because he could have done something mounting or or something like that, um, but got, I think there's a lot of them that are like that. There's got, a lot of them like that. I've got to I've got to get us to get back to sharing the, the this concept of sharing right. the okay. roads. Hey, let's get back to it then. Okay, now one of the things that um, I've witnessed a couple of times is the way that if you're driving along and you hear a siren. And so somewhere in the distance, there's an ambulance or a police car or something official coming towards you. There is quite a consensus now that you move to the side of the road and make sure, um, you know, that you don't inconvenience the, um, the, the, the emergency services. But you still get some people who either don't react to that, don't want to react to it or don't really understand why you should do it. And that is another thing whereby I'm looking at the way that these uh, paramedics, uh, the fire services, the, the police, you know, have to react at speed and obviously drive at speed. And when you look at the um, programmes coming from the UK uh, where the interceptors are involved, um, I, I just look at the way some of these people drive and put everybody at risk on the wrong side of the road going around the roundabouts the wrong way uh, overtaking where they should there's no space to overtake um, and then the interceptors stop them and you've got the cameras obviously with you so it's uh, all polite and uh, uh, do you realize you were what um, interrupting the flow of traffic or what any just nice polite conversation where really the only answer to some of these people is to get hold of them, rough them up and stick them in jail because they've, they don't care about anybody. There's, no. there's, a whole, there's a whole generation growing up where people just don't seem to care about who they're sharing the road with. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about Just Stop Oil. Uh, that's even at that, that pace. But some of these people driving, you know, the, the kids, the, then they'll just... Uh, stop the car, fling open the door, and run away. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the, you know, the thing is, the police in England aren't supposed to chase. There is a mandate now that they're not supposed to chase. Um, in America, and certainly here, they will chase. And often in America, the people that they're chasing will have a gun. And they don't know that they've got a gun, but they, they, it's a 50-50, you know, toss of the coin sort of thing. In, a, in England now, it's becoming like that. People are arming themselves with one thing and another. But in Spain, 
they'll shoot first rather than ask any questions you know and i'm actually for that in, in a uh, in a way because you know you know you know what's going to happen you know here that the the chance of coming across a, i mean i get out of the car if i've ever been stopped by the police and i put my hands up now i know people that have started bad mouthing them have been hit with a truncheon yeah now you know i that sounds barbaric and horrendous in this day and age because we say this day and age but really really i think it's what it needs because i respect it maybe a young loud mouth wouldn't and you know like i said this bmw the other day sped off into throughout the traffic could have caused a horrendous accident not just for him but for the other people as well but they do there are there are i think there's nutters in all the world for driving there's yeah. no respect there's no you can't put it down to one country or another but I do think the police forces in Spain and in America have a little bit, bit more control over it. Yeah, and I think they have a bit more respect because it's, uh, you know, if, if it's warranted. Um, I'm going to go to another aspect of sharing the roads, which um, we obviously uh, will have entrenched views upon. We'll start with the peaje, the payage, the, the toll booth, because um, we found suddenly all the tolls stopped and they dismantled the toll booths and they basically... Um, I think they've taken away most of them now, but in some parts of the country they still have the uh, the toll booth and the the payaje as we call it. Now, um, why do you think they have these private roads? Well, I do think. That, I mean, the reason that the um, the AP seven was was uh, in Alicante was made free, they said, or I read. That it was because it had paid up now. It would have been the cost of it. Um, because Franco was the one that in, instigated all of these motorways um, throughout the country. And uh, I, I, I know there are some aspects of his him that were dreadful, terrible. But there were also some aspects of him that were very, very good. And that was one of them. And social housing. But he... He made this infrastructure, but so the the uh, AP seven the tolls through Alicante were were taken away because um, that it had paid off, or that's what I heard. You know, the debt to the the country was paid off, um, and I think it was written somewhere that that's what should happen when it was done because it was Franco. Right. Other areas are arguably still paying for some of their their toll roads. But whether they would actually take them off, because they're a big source of revenue now, isn't it? I mean, what? They're coming back. They're, they're coming back. I mean, they uh, reckon, I think it's next year onwards, they'll start, um, you know, bringing all the uh, the toll booths back. Um, I mean, that that's exactly what you've just said. It's a, it's a source of revenue. And, of course, uh, what could be extended is the likes of what's happening in London, in particular, with the congestion charge. Now, you, you know, they've got these special uh, cameras that uh, can take your registration and send you a bill if you go to a certain area which they reckon is congested. Um, the trouble is, you see, we're sharing space. There is congestion. There is both the physical congestion of the vehicles, uh, but we've also got the congestion of the and the pollution of the air, which um, is a problem. I mean, without a shadow of doubt. Um, for example, I went to um, Ibiza a couple of weeks back, and the congestion on the roads was incredible. I mean, seriously. Uh, you wonder whether there was a space for another car in any of the towns. But once you got out onto the island, there was lots of spaces where there were no cars, obviously, because, you know, the only places you're going to go to are driving to a restaurant or a viewing point or something like that. But, um, you know, you can't. Or, or the, you know, you can't really expect people to go on and on and on just adding cars into the system because sooner or later um, everything will come to a, a standstill, which, of course, is, I think, 
part and parcel of what the electric car is all about. Um, you know, I feel that uh, the idea behind this is that, you know, there's going to be a couple of million people driving around and one day uh, the plug will be pulled and you're going to be stuck where, wherever you are. There's no not going to be any way that you're going to be able to charge your car up. I think that... Really, if if you can't see that one coming, well, obviously you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Um, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, there's an agenda there, Vince. There's definitely an agenda there. Um, they're talking about fuel running out for diesels, and, or it, the, it being banned in. I think it was first of all, it was 2030, and now I think they put it to 2035. I, how on earth are all these big companies that run lorries and? huge vehicles going to actually travel three or four hundred miles a day on electricity it's not going to happen it is not going to happen um and i i feel a little bit ashamed of anybody who thinks that it it is going to happen the 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 stuff that they're churning out saying this is going to be this in this year it's just rubbish i mean i think you know just extending the the conversation because this this uh this whole topic sort of leads out to everywhere, really. It's not just, it's not just, it's very difficult to keep within it um, because they're, 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 what they're doing in the UK, they're chasing, I won't use that expression, they are chasing the tails. They do not know what they are doing. You know, people moan about Spain. It's taking time. It's taking this. How long is this? Then they're doing this. They're revising it. But I actually think that's a good thing because I think they do work on it. I don't think they don't work on it, but they they look at it. They look, can we do this? Is that going to benefit us? Is that going to be a detriment to the people? Because they still live with this, a lot of it, with this Franco ideal, which was totally different to anything else we're accustomed to in the UK. But, you know, I, I I think it's, I just think it's gone potty in the UK. Nuts. We've got three minutes left. I'd like to pay great uh, homage and respect to the likes of the heavy goods vehicle drivers who basically... Uh, carry a huge responsibility. I mean, carting all the different products round everywhere, uh, carrying fuel that uh, the whole bloomin' kit and caboodle could be uh, up in an explosion, um, travelling uh, responsibly to such a degree. Most of them are very, very responsible, uh, often staying away from the home, uh, staying away from the home comforts, maybe having to live in their cabs while they're on their trips. Uh, I mean, realistically, uh, these guys, uh, plus the transport drivers you know the, the the buses and all the other people that help to keep the system heavy going goods, heavy goods vehicles yeah heavy goods vehicles yeah i think really you know these guys when you see often they get down from their lorry and you see that they're just ordinary people um huge responsibility and, uh, you know, just on the motorways, people, if we're driving, we should be looking to see what, what can we do to help this guy? He's trying to get on with his job. But instead of that, we've got to overtake him and cut in front of him and make him slam his brakes on him, whatever. Um, yeah, don't see many lady drivers like that uh, with those, but they do exist. I've seen the lady yeah. bus drivers, uh, you know, they, uh, they do have some wonderful drivers, the same as... Uh, the men have got some wonderful drivers. Yeah. Anyway, um, look, we've done quite well, actually, because we've got through most of the podcast without any drills, without any uh, cutting machinery, uh, without any of the background noise that uh, seems to be prevalent virtually everywhere. And we've, we've given the good airing to this concept of sharing the space that we all have to live by even down to backing our cars out of our own drives and trying to be a little bit more attentive that somebody behind us, in front of us, to the side of us or whatever, has a need as well. Matt, I found, I found it very enlightening, some of this, and um, worth discussing. How do you feel about it? Yeah, no, I think it's a great topic. Uh, I think, like I said just a minute ago, I think the trouble is it's, it expunges everything. It, it brings in the whole plethora of things and i and i don't know you know you had to bring me back a couple of times but it's easy to just <laughs> drift off on a 
on a different plane, really. Yeah. Okay, well, look, it's been a good one. We've been looking at caring and sharing the space on the highways and byways. There's lots more that we could have developed, but that's given it a good airing. Matt, have a good week. Uh, Stay healthy, and I look forward to talking to you soon. And I look forward to talking to you too, Vince. (laughs) Thanks, Matt.